Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thank you for downloading the show. I'm Emma Kennedy in studio with At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Have you recovered from staying up all night to watch Mr. McGregor? Yeah, good solid 10 hour sleeps the last two nights and I'm fresh as a daisy now. 10 hours sleep. That's kind of my record you're going for there. That's impressive <laughs> stuff. No, no. It's good. You got to get your recovery in quick after these things. Yeah, I haven't recovered. I did the stupid thing of staying up the entire night, but we'll talk a little bit about... I'm having a buzz flowing around. Anyone wants to not give me a shell. We'll talk about... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a legend. He's still a legend. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. First of all, though, the more pressing matter of horse racing on a horse racing podcast. So we had a brilliant week at York. Uh, some fantastic racing and like the highlight was always going to be the Coolmore Nunthorpe and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on and the shh which came along with it uh, I'd say he got some slagging in the weighing room for that we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on but first of all Ulysses star of the show in the Jumant International which was on paper a brilliant race um, Barney Roy didn't have a pacemaker which we talked a little about last week Cliffs of Moher was in there to try and redeem his reputation Churchill was trying to redeem his reputation and Ulysses was sort of again being underestimated and has again proved himself to be the best of these. Yeah, we better give him full credit now because we probably haven't given him the credit he's deserved so far this season. And um, This is his second group one win. He's clearly a better horse this year. These Sir Michael Stout four-year-olds, they just keep improving. Oh God, that old cliche. <laughs> 100% be, correct in this It'll case. be Mirage Dancer now next year. Wait till he becomes a superstar next season. But look, he, he did it very well. You would say that tactically the race set up well for him. I would believe that 10 is a better trip for him than 12. Um, I know many people will have taken from this, oh, look, look at that for a boost for Enable. Mm. Obviously, she left him in her wake in the, the King George, but I wouldn't necessarily take that literally. I think this trip... You know, I I think I've said it before. I'd love to see Ulysses try that a mile. You've said it several times on the podcast, um, to be fair to you. I'd love to see it tried, just to see how he goes. I have a feeling he'd be capable of, of, of being effective over that trip. He does travel well. He does travel well. And he does have plenty of pace. But I'd love to see it examined. I, I can't see what, what they have to lose now. He's pretty much done everything he needs to do over 10 to, to do uh, to secure his next job. And um, what a commercial prospect he'll be too, to be fair to him. So, son of Galileo, so daughter, we, uh, son of Lightshift. Yeah, before we sort of delve further into the um, form of this race, which is it's clearly very strong form, um, people have enjoyed the bloodstock conversation on the podcast in the past. At least some people have anyway. So let's just delve into this a little bit. As you said, son of Galileo, out of Lightshift, the Oaks winner. Um, but he wasn't a precocious juvenile and he wasn't a classic winner at three. So if you're a bloodstock agent or if you're a budding breeder, does that take away from him? Like, do you look more at Churchill and say, no, I'm more interested in him because he's a, a group one winning juvenile. He's a dual classic winner. I'm more interested in that as opposed to a, a late developing horse like Ulysses. Oh, absolutely. Churchill is definitely the more commercial prospect of the two, but there's still a place for Ulysses. 
Um, the fact that he's won a few group ones over 10 and seems best at 10 like I say in my mind and will be a help to him and that there'll definitely be a place for him that may be down in Feathers. Do you reckon they go well the New Yorkers family have a very good relationship with Coolmore Yeah they are very closely associated with each other now um, Have been for the last few years Yeah, Mingan going back to his days I believe they board their mares at Coolmore Yeah um, So that would be the obvious choice um, I don't think Coolmore will be turning away a, a multiple group one winning son of Galileo they, mm. as we've said many times on this podcast when delving into this side of the game Coolmore could really do with a successful sire son of Galileo they haven't got one yet they have a few um, they've got uh, Camelot in Australia and look, I suppose Camelot is really the last great hope for Monju on the flat well that's it but the, the, the son of Galileo is the really important thing they, yeah. they have Australia Glen Eagle's coming through Churchill will come through in the end but just because you have a, a, a you know a handful of really nice prospects, the reality is most stallions fail. Yeah, in commercial terms, in the long term, so you need as many bullets as you can get. Really, well, think about the amount of Group One winners that Coolmore have had over the years that they've retired to stud and that have either passed away tragically, um, like High Chaparral, who it's turning out is a terrible loss to the game because he's producing some. Mm. This is his last go with. Um, uh, with horses on the track, uh, at least uh, new horses on the track this this time around, and and he's proving to be a real terrible loss to the game. Um, one of my favourite horses as well, but but also the amount of horses that they retired and his old sparring partner Hawkwing, oh, who yeah. didn't work and had to be sold off to other Korea, I believe. But the vast India, majority of stallions fail. Yeah. I think he went to Korea, but like the the best example is probably Sadler as well. As you know, the greatest stallion of all time. Prior to Galileo, and it took a long time for Galileo, to co- the heir apparent, to come yeah. along. Yeah. You know, it, he was a long time coming, and, and a fair few um, prospects that they would have had big hopes for didn't quite do it. Uh, so it, it can take time, and I'm sure one will emerge, because all the best sire sons of Galileo are, are generally standing elsewhere. Okay, he's not retired yet, and the long-term aim for him is the Breeders' Cup turf, which Candace was talking about. Uh, several times on Twitter and I think on the Final Forum podcast as well. We'll talk to Candice before the Breeders' Cup as well. So he's now favoured for that. Um, the question then is, do they give him a prep for Del Mar or go straight there? And their options really would be the Irish Champion Stakes where he'd rematch probably with Churchill uh, and his old friend Highland Real. Um, but you seem to think this is his best trip. So would you think he'd be vulnerable over 12 furlongs? Ah, well, it's it's an American 12 you know, sharp track, fast ground, you'd imagine. Look, he stays He stays 12. He clearly does. He's run to a very high level over 12, but my feeling would be his optimum is, is that shorter than that. It all depends on the opposition. It's all relative. Look, if if it's a below standard group, uh, grade one, as they'd call it over there, I'm sure he can win a Breeders' Cup turf, no problem. But if he meets one that's of a similar ability to himself, for sure he'll be a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, the strong stare like Alan Real, possibly go off from the front possibly so yeah uh, right Barney Roy let's talk about because he or um, Churchill just going off favour to this like, this is the thing that really interested me On we were covering this on TalkSport with um, Ray Stubbs and look, you've got four horses who finished one, two, three, four, and they were pretty hard to separate in the betting um, let's deal with Barney Roy didn't have a pacemaker but he actually settled quite well yeah, I think with the, with the glorious benefit of hindsight, we have our answer to the question of why didn't they run a pacemaker? I think they set out, they wanted to make the running. I think they wanted to make their own running or certainly be very prominent. 
And that's what they did. They may not have expected Cliffs of Moher to to match him stride for stride as he did, but I think that was the plan. Um, I would if you if you'd told me beforehand that was the plan, I wouldn't really have liked it to be honest, because I think he's a speed horse. Um, at this trip, you know, I'm 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 not convinced with him at this trip still. And I think they got the notion into their head that his his greatest asset is his long stride, and he does have a long stride. That's a, that's a fact. Um, and they wanted to make use of it. He also showed that long stride at York. Yeah, no, he has he has a long stride. That's that's a that's a matter of fact. But over this trip, I don't necessarily think that's the best way to utilize his talent. Um, making the run over over a mile would be really interesting. But over this trip, perhaps he just paid the price a little bit. Um, Cliff Samoher took him on, um, and maybe he just paid the price. Maybe his stamina just ebbed a little bit late on. That would be my conclusion with him. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with him next in terms of trip. Because if he were mine. Back, you want to? You're determined that he should be going for a mile. I'd like to see it. Look, uh, look again. He clearly stays a mile and a quarter, but I think he'll be better at shorter. Richard Hannan Senior wasn't the biggest fan of the British Cup mile, but I wonder would Richard Hannan Junior do it? They have gone over there in recent years. Would they take him there? Possibly, possibly. If be, you are going to drop back to a mile, it'd be fun to watch. Don't yeah. know if it the setup would be like you know again with his mechanics you'd ideally like to see him on a in a perfect world you'd like to see him on a, on a flat mile or certainly an orthodox mile and mm. um, QE2 would appeal uh, but that's a little bit far away we can squeeze in a run before then surely okay uh, before we get to Churchill Cliffs of Moher ran well ran fine was hoping they'd run a bit better um, made the running which maybe wasn't ideal for him but he he ran fine he ran fine um, but I think at this stage, we you know we were very happy to forgive his previous run. Um, there, there's less forgiving this now. Yeah, there's less forgiving this. He's maybe starting to look just a little bit. This is as good as he is. Very good, but not very very good. Yeah. Um, of course, his Derby form took a big boost, which we'll talk about in a minute. But what do you think they'll do with him? Like he, he appeals as a horse who will stay in training next year. So I'd possibly so, yeah. try and do the Dylan Thomas with him next year if you can get the best out of him. The Duke of Marmalade, the pins have been taken out of his legs, lads. Now he's going to be fine. <laughs> that, kind, that kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. Look, he's got to win a group one now, doesn't he? Yeah. He's just yeah. going to find some, some one somewhere. Decorated Knight ran it admirably. Um, Shutter speed. It's remarkable to think that she was regarded as the best filly in the yard at the start of the season. And now we got to see what Enable is capable of, and Shutter speed's getting beaten again. Churchill. So. It was almost like they were going to go at it early on and then Ryan seemed to decide, all right, lads, on you go. You stride on and I'm just going to sit in behind you. Yeah, like it was It was one of them runs. He, he stayed, seemed to stay. Mm. Don't know how well he stayed. He was a, a little bit toy early on, but nothing too bad. Um, I didn't really know what to make of it. The ground, I know, look, there's a case to be made. Or look, If you actually look through his form, his, some of his best efforts are on ground with a bit of an ease in it like there was here, but... I just don't know if it's ideal for him. Mm. And champion stakes would, would appear to be on the cards now if he got nice, good to firm ground there, um, which he could, looking at the, the forecast going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if he sharpened up from this as well, you know. Because he yeah. hasn't run since the St. James's Palace stakes at Royal Ascot. It's so. his first run in two months and that was a disappointing run. You know, all we to- all we talked about on here afterwards was, you know, they, had, they should, really should freshen them up and I wouldn't be surprised if Aiden did back off him. And um, and this was considered a small bit of a stepping stone, but he's run very well. Like he's close to his, he's close to his previous best, probably in form terms. Mm. But I do, I do think and hope he's capable of a little bit better than that. 
he'll probably get the opportunity to show that so at Leopardstown. Yeah, that'll be a key race for him. If he's, you know, he made a blistering start to the season. If he's going to get it, get it back on track and finish with a bit of a bang, because as we know, he's not he's not he's not back next season, no matter what happens. No, no, no. I think he'll, he'll definitely retires to stud. If if he's going to finish with a bit of a bang, I think that's the place he's, he's got to go do it. Another who retires to stud, who wasn't in this race but will be going there, is his stable companion Highland Real, who was disappointing in the race last year, but tactically they kind of got it wrong with him that day, and that's going to be a really interesting clash. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because on the line through Ulysses, and Ulysses may very well have improved since Royal Ascot, he's got work on his hands. Like he's seven to four, I think, to win the Irish Champion Stakes. That's not a given. No, it isn't. No. No, well, assuming. Will they definitely both run? I don't see why they wouldn't. Like they threw three at it last year, didn't they? Highland Real was definitely one, and Minding was in there as well. Yeah, but you have to bear in mind that, like we're saying, this is a big one for Churchill. Mm. This is a big one. If they're going to finish with a bang with him, this is probably the, the stage to do it on. And if you're thinking that way, and look, Wilmore have been quite sporting, to be fair, in, in recent seasons, with, with, with like you say, um, throwing their horses in against each other on the biggest days. If I'm cool, more, I'm probably not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so there would be no Hawkwing High Chaparral Derby for you, so you'd just be like, nope, thank you very much. We'll, we'll beat Moon Ballad comfortably with Hawkwing, and on we go. Well, yeah. Well, you could you could run Highland Reel. Oh no, <laughs> they're not going to do that with him. Surely <laughs> it could be sacrificed. Sure. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> A six-time group group one winner. What was the was wasn't it the Irish champion that um, Cape Blanco won, and it looked like he was being sacrificed? Yeah, and he, he took just off into a clear on, lead. And he just on. bolted off because yeah. he's just that good. Could happen again. You never know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If they give Highland Real an easy lead, then he would be difficult to really. Oh, yeah. Um, what does this say about the three year olds? Ulysses coming along and, and, and beating them? Because obviously he's given them the weight for age allowance as well. So Barney Roy and Churchill, from a three year old's perspective, looked like really high class horses. But is Ulysses exceptional on what you've seen previously? Or does this suggest that these three year olds maybe aren't as good as we initially thought they are? I hate to be a bit fence city, but like this is probably Ulysses' optimum circumstances. I don't think it really is Churchill's or Barney Roy's. And when Ulysses met Enable, I don't think that was Ulysses' optimum set of circumstances. You know, I think we need we need, as McGregor would say, we need we need to get together and have a bit of a knock here in in conditions that suit them all to really find out, um, to really find out what's what. So you're saying if we could get Dana White to get Enable. Ulysses, Churchill, Barney Roy, Highland Reel, all together. The money over, race. Over 10 furlongs on good ground. Over nine. I'm bulls around. Anyone wants to knock, give me a shell. That's, that's Highland Reel there in the background. He's, he's ready to go. Over nine. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> over nine furlongs. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? No, the money no excuses race. for the three-year-olds there. The money race. I believe the that's called race. the Everest and we'll be running Australia as a sprint <laughs> later. Um and that concept is going to happen in Europe. It's a matter oh, of course of, it will. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to the Dubai World Cup is going to become the more most valuable race in the world again because Sheikh Mohammed has kind of intimated that. Um, and you know that somebody at some point along God, line is going to wouldn't, put it, up, wouldn't it be fun? Get all these horses together, kind of midsummer. You know, Kevin Blake, you're really losing my respect. It's all you but surely. It's all about the money with you. What about the prestige of races like the King George and the Ark? What about the history of these races? 
give me give me the money any day. It's not enough, my friend. It's not enough. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about the cash. Um, what do you want to see next from Ulysses? Would you like to see him go straight to the Breeders' Cup? Or take in Irish Champion Stakes, British Champion Stakes, well, he's Ark? Not, he's not showing the sign of a horse that's uh, that needs a little freshen up. He's getting better, if anything, with racing. Mm-hmm. Um, kick on, go again, where do you go? Alan Cooper gives you the call, the New York Coast Racing Manager. Where do I'm you go? One of the Irish champion. I've already beaten Churchill. Beat him again. Track would suit him, wouldn't it? I think Leopardstown. So. I think so. Yeah, okay. If there was plenty of pace on, suit him better again. And Sir Michael yeah. Stout's been a regular visitor over there. Remember, Islington was part of that epic High Chaparral win. Yeah, like what? It's a gap of, of, of uh, two and a half weeks. Yeah, there's a bigger gap between. Yeah, but you'd also have a longer layoff then for your big term target, the Breeders' Cup. Whereas if you go for the English Champion Stakes, you only got two weeks. Yeah. So that really doesn't suit at all. Yeah, no, I'd go Irish Champion, I think. Okay. Irish Champion Stakes boss. That could be a great race then if you've got Ulysses rematching with. Churchill yeah, rematching would, would with Highland Real. That would make the race. That'd be brilliant. It'd be great to see. Um, and Stouty's coming over almost certainly for Champions Weekend with expert eye in the national yeah, following day. You know, this is the horse that you're massively excited about. We'll talk about juveniles later on. Uh, what's next for Bernie Roy? You can't see this, but Kevin Blake is pulling a funny face of pure confusion. I don't really know. I don't really know. This is his second the Q, defeat The now. QE2 would be a lovely option for him, but you need to probably squeeze something in in between. He's lost the 2,000 guineas. He's lost the Eclipse. He's lost the Judmont. Mm. I'd go QE... I might even go straight to the QE2. What's that? It's about seven weeks. Like, well, seven and a half weeks. He'd love to have something right bang in the middle to squeeze in, but I don't know if the option's there. You wouldn't go Irish Champions Stakes with him? You could do. Dropping back to your mind is what you'd like to do. That's what, I, that's what I'd like to do, but that's just me. A lot's going to depend on Ripchester, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's on, true. On what, on what he does next and what they want to do with him next. Mm. And Churchill, Irish Champion Six. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, Cracksman. What do you do with Cracksman? Uh, on TalkSport, I was quite keen to take this horse on. And then you're having to go on the air and talk about the fact that he's after bolting up by six lengths. <laughs> it's like, I was talking to um, Brad Allen, who does the Matchbook Betting Podcast with me. He was saying he laid Cracksman and he sat there in his office watching Cracksman bolt him. He's like, oh, right. Anyway, dust ourselves off and get back to it. Uh, they've said he's good. And visually, he was impressive in, in this race. He's beaten Venice Beach, who was third in the Grand Prix de Paris, previously in a Derby trial winner. Mirage Dancer, who was quite highly thought of. Douglas MacArthur, who kind of has been sacrificed actually they held him up this time which was interesting yeah um, what did you think of the quality of this race and what did you make of the performance of Cracksman look probably not the deepest race but he's won it by six lengths and won it with heaps of authority and I think he's probably better than this I think this horse is a bit of a, a funny fish I've taught it most of the season now because he, he shaped really oddly in the derby and things didn't really pan out for him at the Curra. and again here I'm looking at him in the early stages and I'm going, he's not travelling. Mm. He's not travelling. And I think Frankie, he probably fooled Frankie a little bit. It's a bit of the Don Bowleys. He was niggling, niggling him along. He did. And then at the, at the top of the straight, I think Frankie's kind of almost, not quite panicked, but he, he, he's he got a bit urgent. Yeah. And he's given him a, a right dig, say, right, come on. And all of a sudden the horse is alive underneath him and he's in front. <laughs> like three furlongs from home and he's away and gone. But I'd put cheek pieces on him. I think the horse, he, it like, you know, it's almost heresy to say it about a, a group one horse like him. But if, th- if this was a handicap and I was looking at him and watching the way he shaped in recent starts, I'd head gear on him straight away. He needs it. 
Mm. He seems to get very idle and hit these little flat spots and doesn't really travel early on. And I think cheap pieces would would be of great assistance to him. Um, but I don't doubt his talent at all. He's, he's certainly one of the best mile and a half cold. He could well be the best mile and a half cold around. Three-year-old cold. Yes. Just to clarify that, because, you know, well, some people would be giving out. Well, if we're talking uh, the male of the species, there well, might there might not be a better mile and a well, half male well, horse around this neck of the woods. Here's the thing. The arc has completely collapsed as a race. Like, we've had the sad retirement of Almanzor, and it's a shame that he was never able to come back to what he was. But Almanzor is a cautionary tale. If for some reason Jean-Claude Rougier decided, we'll take things easy with this horse, and you know he's a long-term prospect, we'll go, we'll go with him as a four-year-old, and then he ends up with these problems. Game over. You don't have an Irish champion stakes, and you don't have the mm. British champion stakes. The, the talk before this race was that Cracksman was going to be eased off after this that that would be the end of it and he wins so impressively that it seems as though John Gosden is now having to persuade uh, his owner Anthony Oppenheimer we need to go to France with this horse like and the pre-neal seems to be next on the agenda you don't run in a pre-neal unless you're going to go for an arc I'd be at the same thought when they're when they're running to this level when they seem to be in fantastic form kick on and run them if they get beat so what come back next year yeah you know it's not like he hasn't been beaten before Ulysses learned an awful lot from Sir Michael Stout by going to the Breeders' Cup turf. And you could say the same thing for Cracksman going to Deauville. Possibly so. Yeah, I'd just kick on, run them, run them. <laughs> They're racehorses, race them. Let me list the ARC market to you. Enable. And we'll talk about Enable in a few minutes. 10 to 11 favourite, even money with some firms. Cracksman is now second favourite, coming mm. out of nowhere. Uh, then Satano Diamond the Japanese horse Ulysses doubtful runner I would think Eminent <laughs> uh, Bra- Bramato has got a lot to prove Highland Real and then Winter like that could be a 10 runner race two and a half million pound race run him what's the worst that could happen they've, they've, he gets beat Ooh, they've gotta gotta go. go for it don't they yeah go for it uh-huh. yeah, but, but when Gosden starts talking like that you know we know we know how considered Gosden is. I don't think he'll, he'll readily change his mind, but it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Kick on, kick on. Well, get the whole get the whole winter to rest. There's too much of a risk when you see high class horses get injured afterwards. That if you've got them, if they're healthy, go for it. Yeah, kick on. It's it's just strange that you know this, these are the same connections that you know didn't even consider keeping Golden Horn in training as a four year old. Yeah, you know now they want to to, to cotton wool this lad like. Mm. You know, kick on, run him. He's a racehorse. You know, Anthony Oppenheimer, you've been breeding horses all your life trying to get ones this good. Run him. Run him. If he does run him, would you give him a chance in the arc? Of course I would. How could you not? He's second fav, definitely. Yeah. All right. But the horse is going to have the bigger chance. Put cheek pieces on him, Johnny G. <laughs> he needs him. Has Matt Chapman been calling you, has he? Listen, I, I need everyone to start calling him Johnny G. <laughs> I really do think headgear would help that horse One horse who doesn't need headgear Enable Five length winner She started to sweat not, sweat up beforehand Which is to be fair what Nathaniel did But oh dear Now we haven't talked beforehand We we talked about the McGregor fight But we haven't talked about the racing Because we like to We like to um, We know what the running order is going to be But we From producer D uh, But we like to then react in real time To what each other is saying So uh, that's a nice way of explaining away the fact that we just have no plan whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> is that the Frankie Dottori celebration or is that the point? Um, so Frankie was doing a flying dismount here for all the right reasons. 
she did sweat up beforehand and that's a trait that Nathaniel had but she hadn't done it before to my, at least I don't recall her ever doing it before am I right about that? I can't, I can't recall it off the top of my head either Okay do you think that's a bad sign? Of course it is Alright Ex- I'll tell you one certainty it's not a good sign Alright elaborate on that for us in terms of her now being an odds on favourite for the arc Well the call we've talked about but her in recent starts is back off her back off her you know She's had a she's had a, t- a tough enough season already. Her sixth run of the season. You know, the arc is the big day, and my opinion coming into this was it was a bit unnecessary, you know. And then I'm just surprised they made the running with her, you know. And the and Frankie booted on quite a way out. You know, he didn't spare her. You know, she put the race to bed. No, this three... wasn't an easy race. It visually it's an easy race, but it physically on the horse it can't have no, been. No, never is. You know, she put the race to bed with, with, with her trademark injection of pace three furlongs out, but oh, there's no such thing as a, as a soft race here at this level on this ground. I'd be concerned. And then her, her pre-race demeanour. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If I was one of the lucky chaps that had taken big prices about this filly for the arc now, I, I'd be getting slightly concerned. I certainly wouldn't be considering backing her at her current price. She is an opposable fav for me. So, and, and it's well established that I think the world of this filly, but I just yeah. fear... And it is also well established that I, when I really, really like a horse, I tend to go picking at him. Uh, I would just be concerned now that he may have left her very best form behind he, uh, here in, and, and in Avesmire. Produce, would be my concern. Producer D is shaking her head at me through the glass window because I've asked her, does she have the audio of you? Producer D has audio of Gary O'Brien, of Davy Russell, of Conor McGregor. She doesn't have the audio of you saying, she's a machine, Kennedy, and you can't give machines <laughs> 10 pounds. <laughs> Uh, but you, gonna, you gotta you gotta keep these engines well looked after throw, too. Throw a pen at the window there to um and get producer D to cop onto herself. Yeah, I'm just a um, bit concerned. And look, look, she's brilliant, and brilliant horses have a way of overcoming not ideal circumstances. Yeah. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because the King George was the afterthought, not the Yorkshire Oaks. Mm. Like they weren't going to go for that race. The double afterthought. So you were then making the point: you can't give machines ten pounds, and she's a machine based on what she'd done in the English Oaks and the Irish Oaks. Um, sorry, I should say the Oaks. There we go, and the Irish Oaks. Just before some people, Tony Coleman. Lo- Tony Coleman. Lo- <laughs> I was exactly picturing Tony Coleman losing his mind. One man mission. Hope they're all well in Espana. Um, so she has obviously uh, like exploded onto the scene this season and has proven herself to be a really high class filly, but. There will be certain people who will look at this and say, this this horse cannot get beaten. There's absolutely no way and I want to be with her to even money. Um, I, I admire this horse greatly and I'm, I'm the kind of person who I'm going to have a bet on the arc and if she goes and wins it by 10 lengths or if she gets up and beats my horse by a nose, I'll applaud her because it's going to be one of the most remarkable training performances we've seen. You don't see a horse go through a classic campaigns like this, win an Oaks, win a King George, win two Oaks, a King George, a Yorkshire Oaks and an Ark. It doesn't really happen. Having started off in April. Exactly, yeah. It, it's it's a very rare thing. And that was one of the big points that was being made about different story, but Dylan Thomas was a four-year-old and he started his campaign in April and won an Ark. Well, these are Colts and see the stars, you know, did it, but he's a Colt. Yeah. This is a filly. So can you explain for us why is it so much different or or more difficult for a filly to be expected to retain her form the entire way through the season? Well, they would generally wouldn't have quite as tough a constitution and they're going through different things hormonally than the colds aren't. You know, in terms of she would have been, I assume, unless they're, they're medicating her, she would have been coming in and out of season uh, through the summer and they're a little bit more vulnerable to changes in the climate, which... which Unless we get a right autumn, 
Mm. It's going to get a bit colder. And Phillies tend to go. They tend to come off form. We saw the remarkable performance of found at the Breeders' Cup a few years ago when her coat was totally and absolutely gone. She looked like when a hairy be goat. golden horn, yeah. She looked like a hairy goat that day and she's managed the win, you know. So and it, she had a, she had a long season. Yeah, you know, they, it, it, it can be done, as a great man once said, but <laughs> it's it's far from ideal, especially for a three-year-old, an immature three-year-old. You know, this is a filly that was only able to race once at the, at the way back end of November as a two-year-old. Mm. You know, she was not a mature individual. And it's just a tough ask. And, you know, if she, if she can go and win an arc, you'll go down as one of the greatest three-year-old campaigns for a filly, certainly in my racing lifetime. And I'm sure some fellas that are a little bit more, have a bit more years under their belt than me would, would go a little bit further back than that, I think. Mm. It would be phenomenal. She's a joy to watch. Oh, she is. She's, she's a machine. She is a machine. Machines can get beaten. Yeah, we've seen but she it. she is a machine. Yeah. Uh, you sound as though you would be preaching extreme caution about anybody thinking about backing her for the retirement fund for the ARC. Yeah, and that and look, that's just me. Anyone that listens to the podcast with regularity will know I tend to do this with horses, with top class horses I really like. But can we just go back to the market again? Like Cracksman, you know, he did look good the other day, but I'd have a concern about him around Deauville, even though I want to see him run the race. Because, Chanty. Uh, why, do I, why do I keep saying Deauville? Why do I keep doing that? I sure look it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, Shanti, obviously. And it's live on At The Races as well, by the way. Channel 4 and 5. Get the branding in. Um, are we on the Shanti? No. Private jet over? No. no. I've never been to Shanti. Are, we, are we fixing that this w- time around? Want to go see the great stables. Yeah. Looks absolutely beautiful. It looks a stunning race course. We're not on the guest list, no? Well, I'm not. You oh well be. if you're not on the guest list then I'm definitely not on the guest list oh dear that's alright we need to get working on that um, but you look at the market and like, Bramato has an awful lot to prove after the last day Almanzor's out well look we um, still have French trials to come and while the, the, the performance of the French horses at Deauville now in recent weeks wouldn't set you alight with the, with the, their general strength and depth something, something can burst can on the scene yeah. something can pop up mm, and that something is Highland Real uh, <laughs> Um, I, I mean look I, I'm a huge fan of this horse and I think it's very exciting to see what she does next hopefully there's no talk of her going for an ARC trial is there? Not that I've heard Right because there was there was a suggestion about that a while back but I think then when they took in the King George they dropped the ARC trial idea so straight to Shanti Hopefully Okay oh, But look but time will tell John Goslin knows her best and we'll see what he does but I will be um yeah, I will struggle to have confidence in her going there. Kevin Blake preaches caution about Enable. Now, if we're going to talk about uh, Phillies uh, stealing the show, what about Marsha stealing the spotlight from Lady Aurelia in the dying strides? Uh, Coolmore Nunthorpe Six looks set up to be a fantastic match. It ended up being an epic duel, just not the one we expected. Um, Lady Aurelia has been brilliant at Royal Ascot for the last couple of seasons. She did win in France last year and then got beaten at Newmarket. She's gone to, to York. Um, the market has just thumped her. Mm. 11 to 8 the night before, each of two bata. She goes off 10 to 11, 4 to 5 at one stage. And I got to admit that on Talksport 2, once you see a jockey celebrating, you think, oh, well, he's done it. 
And and I started talking about her as in, you know, she's just got there. But did you think hitting the line, what did you think? I know it's easy to be influenced by a jockey celebrating, but hitting the line, did you did you think it was really, really close? I thought it was extremely close and the marshal might have got her. But then I saw Frankie celebrating. I was like, okay, so he knows. Because that angle can be quite deceptive. Mm. And then we saw back in and went, oh, I'm not too sure about this actually. I just never understood how a jockey could know from the position they're on a horse. How can they know that their horses, they might know that their horse's head is down. But well, they don't know what the other horse's head is doing. Well, I reference. You know, I just, I just look. Jockeys can, you know, it's hard to believe that jockeys can judge fractions to within a tenth of a second, but they can. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I find it hard to, hard to to compute that they would be able to judge that down to you know millimeters. Thankfully, in the moment. I was able to think about Richard Hills celebrating when Ryan Moore had actually done him on Not Now Cato, and he um, he didn't realise and celebrated too soon. And there was the Australian jockey in the Melbourne Cup, Greg. Hall? I think you could be right there. I think you could be right there. I, I'd never seen it before, but somebody posted the video afterwards and I watched it. Uh, I think that's where I saw it as well, on the old tweet machine. Roger Lochran, Central House. Oh. Slightly different no, case. No, that's worse. No, that's worse. <laughs> Slightly be- different Because case. he has it won, thinks he's won, pulls him, oh no, that was terrible. Greg Hall, 1997. There we go. I see it here on, on twitter.com. Um, and can you remember the other one? So I, I thought about this and um, premature ejaculation. <laughs> oh, sorry, Pre- premature ejaculation. Premature ejaculation. Oh, I can't yeah. believe who I was it said that on Twitter? Was it? Oh, was it, it was a line that that line's been trotted out for over a decade. Was it Graham, Graham Cunningham? I think was the one who tweeted it though, and I think he might have tweeted it first, and he, he deserved. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. For it. But that that um, I I recall that being being used. But over I, ten years ago, I was. Um, I was. Oh, do you mean he actually borrowed that line? Actually, listen, there's no original ideas in in broadcasting. We all anymore. steal everything. Um, so I was talking to the Talksport production team afterwards, and I only just thought about the other famous one of a jockey celebrating too soon. Can you remember? I'm wondering, were you there? Actually, I'll give you a hint. Dubai. No, can't recall. All right, Kevin Shea, in the Dubai World Cup. Oh, and, and Mike DeCock Sprinter. Yeah, uh, and Mike DeCock's horse. Cup. Yeah. Oh, I can't recall uh, that. Gloria De Campo. Remember Channel 4 ridiculously went off the air without Before giving the, the results. the photo was announced. Yeah, yeah so they had to now. go off the air. <laughs> which was, it's not Mike Catterball and Emma Spencer's fault, by the way. It's just, they're the two who are left holding the cannons. The production team are forced oh. by the main network to go off the air to go to news. Live television, you can't be. Oh, man. Uh, and so, Liz- Lizard's Desire, is that the name of the horse? Yes. D? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, but Gloria De Campo, the former South American horse who was now Brazilian trained by horse, uh, yeah, Pascal. A lot of was Brazilians it, going nuts in was, the... Was it Pascal Barry trained oh, I can't remember. Um, why do we very, do the Very forgettable Dubai World Cup otherwise. Very, oh, it's an awful one. It was that time where like horses who'd won maidens in Southwell were winning Dubai World Cups. It was ridiculous. Um, but poor Al Kevin going around celebrating when in actual fact, no, no, sorry, Kevin, you, you didn't win. That's rough. And, and I think we, t- we talked about him the other day. Um... Oh, Ahmed Ahmed Ashtebi. He went and celebrated with him. Oh, God. Which made it worse. Imagine the, that feeling in, oh, the, in, no. the, in the pit of your stomach. The that sinking witch, feeling when, the, when the result gets announced and you just realise, oh, Lord, I've just made an absolute knob of myself. Yeah. On, on international television. We'd, um, we had a good chat about that on, uh, on Friday. Um, so Frankie will have been mocked by the weighing room. Uh, I'm sure he'll 
He'll I'm not going to be harsh on him. He, he thought he won. He ne- thought neither he won. am I, I by the no way. I have no idea what he was doing with the, with the finger to the lips. That's what really confuses me, but who are you, sh- like, who are you silencing? I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, I'm sure he would have told us afterwards but if he actually won. <laughs> he'd, he'd have jumped off or given the flying dismount and told everybody uh, to stop questioning this horse. Um, she's run a cracker. Oh, she has. She's run an absolute stormer and she's pulled away from everything on her side. Uh, Batash has come to challenge her and in my eyes she burned him off. I didn't think she went quick enough with her. With Lady Aurelia? Yeah, she have gone so, faster. So I'm surprised he was as kind of restrained as he was on her. Okay. But maybe that's... Maybe maybe there's... Ah, that's what I thought. That's just what I thought. But Hash seemed to boil over beforehand. Um, he didn't run up to his best, unfortunately. He had boiled over before Goodwood as well, from memory. Yeah, and he, he's not straightforward going into the stalls. He always puts up a bit of a battle going into the stalls Remember as well. Remember, he blew the ideal. Windsor Castle stakes last year. Yeah, um, well, this... He reared up in the stalls before before going off. Well, bear, bear in mind, he, he was gelded at pretty, pretty early doors. Hmm. You know, and they don't do that for crack with, uh, with, a, with a well-bred son of Dark Angel. No. No, he's clearly got his quirks. He's a bit of a boy. There's a lot of talent there, but he's ended up trailing in quite a fair bit behind these two. Um, Cut-Eye Glory's run a, a superb race for, for his stable companion, uh, Charlie Hills. Um, but let's give full credit to uh, Mr. Cuban Cigar himself, <laughs> uh, Sir Mark Prescott. Um, there was a little bit of controversy from some about Luke Morris's ride because he was you know, use of the whip, but Marcia has threatened to win a big race this season. She's run very well at Royal Ascot. I don't know what happened at the Curra. Um, they just she, went too slow. Okay. They just went too slow. She a mess of a race. Goodwood, an awful lot of horses don't handle that track. And Roy Delargy kept the faith with her and was spot on. And she's won. Yeah, second group one win. You know, she's, just a, she's just a very good sprinter, isn't she? Very When she gets, when she gets her conditions, she's very tough to beat. And um, yeah, fair play to her. She's got and a great she, finishing kick, hasn't she? Oh, yeah. And um, she will have a big date with Galileo in the not too distant future, I'd say. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That, a- that's an exciting problem. It's like Brienne of Tarth and Thomond. <laughs> <laughs> Think of them. They'll be monsters. They'll conquer the world. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Game of Thrones reference, lads. <laughs> Um, yeah, Spoilers look, for Game of Thrones. That'll be uh, that'll, that'll be her job in the long term. But uh, fantastic filly. Great to see her. You know, the pre lab is a group one, but I think if you lined up every trainer in England and Ireland and said which which would you rather win the oh, Nuntor or the Abbey, there wouldn't be too many takers for the Abbey. Yeah, uh, no disrespect, I mean, of course. Yeah, but. they've obviously won the Abbey last year, and they're going to go for it again this year too. And as you said, don't take anything away from it. I think Batash is going to go for the Abbey as well. Yeah, um, Charlie Hills at pains to try and say that the horse does need to to recover. Um, but she deserves her her place in the limelight, and she's she's clearly a top class, world class sprinter. And there's a great story with her owners as well, the Elite Racing Club. Like I like that interview in the winners' enclosure afterwards with Ollie Bell. Like they're all freaking out. They don't have to pay a huge amount of money. They get a great days out racing. And the woman called Marcia, who won the competition to name the horses, having an even better day. Yeah, like the, the Elite Racing Club have been around for a long time. Mm. They've been enjoying great success for a long time. God, I remember Soviet Song. Soviet Song was a fabulous mare. Yeah, brilliant mare. Um, great battles at Russian rhythm. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, didn't she race against um, Attraction a couple of times? She did. I think, um, yeah. Super, super mare. Oscar Urbina. Oscar yeah. Ribina, wherever he ended up. But um, 
I'll answer my own question. I think he works for Godolphin now, but it could be wrong. Okay. Um, look, just just a great horse race. Um, some people would have been disappointed that Lady O'Reilly didn't get the job done, but she's lost very little. Um, and I would go see the rematch. Yeah, that rematch has an awful lot of potential. Um, what about these scat daddies away from Aspen? Ah, stop. You don't buy into that? No, not for, not for one single second. How good are these scat daddies doing in the States? Um, couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but... Mm. That could be an article there, Kevin Blake. Well, he's not doing badly. No, he's sure. not doing badly at all, but there could be an article there for you. Funny, I've just, I've just clicked into his old record there and fought his top one, two, three, his top five horses on RPRs um, are all horses we'd be very familiar with Caravaggio Lady Aurelia No Name Never Daddy Long Legs Sioux Nation three of them trained in Bally Doyle yeah Daddy Long Legs um, but plenty of very good horses mm. other than those that we wouldn't be so familiar with and have campaigned in America and in Chile so Wesley Ward's going to take her to the Breeders' Cup Sprint next. Turf Sprint. Yeah. And Marsha will go for the Breeders' Abbey. And they'll both have respectable chances of winning, you would Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Leading chances. Um, all right, let's switch to the juveniles. Kevin Blake put up treading on the final Furlong podcast. Uh, he made the point that they could have gone for a much easier target. They did not. They went for this, the Lowther. And she won and she won well and broke Mark Johnston's hoodoo at York. Yeah, nice when it works out. Good performance, you'd have to say. Um, no excuse for the American Raider. Mm. I don't think. Um, just not quite as good as they thought she Happy was. Happy like a fool. Drifted like a barge. Mm. Which is never ideal. But treading a fine performance. Big, big step up in class. And um, things went right for her in in terms of how the race panned out, I thought. But she she did it well. I think she'll be fine on, on a sounder surface. Um, how far she'll stay... Time will reveal all, but she she looks pretty quick to me. Does she look as a daughter of an exceeding exceeding excel? If I can use my mouth words correctly, does she look a classic prospect to you? Mm, I don't know. They're stamming on the page now, but exceeding excel might might pair that back a bit. Okay. Um, so Very do you think they're related to Dubai Millennium, which is fascinating to mm. say the least? Uh, do you think they'll try and maximise her then this season? Like it, in your mind, is she horse to look forward to next year, or is it all oh, about I think this so. year? I think so, but I just would be cautious of thinking that um, should be a guineas filly. Okay, uh, that's true. See, I, I hope, kind of hope the examiner at, um, at over seven this year, just to give us a bit of a look. Um, look, she got home very well here, and I think she'd be fine at seven. But I'd like to see her examine just to see how she shapes. Would it would have you to next year? It's a shame actress bombed because it would have been nice to get the Irish form in there. Yeah, well, we look. We got we had um, we had Mamba Noir, yeah, who's been kind of knocking around there behind, like you know, like say Clemmy and what have you. She gives she gives you some sort of a line. Mm. Just um, if actress had finished third or fourth, you'd be able yeah, to go. You, yeah, you'd be a little bit and had run her race like yes, you'd, go, you'd be yeah. a little bit more treading beats her all day long, but you yeah. just like to be able to line them up alongside. Well, September there's a bit of a shine has come off her now, seeing as Ryan Moore chose not to ride her and she got beaten the other day. Yeah. That doesn't say a whole lot. Sure, look at Weeks a long time in racing, folks. What price was she for the 1,000 guineas? A Four silly, to one? A silly price. Four to one, Actually, was she? We're not after time. We couldn't have said that in stronger terms at the time. <laughs> no, no, that's, but it's just, it's beware of bookmakers' PR reps hyping up horses in the anti-post markets. Mm. Like, 
you know, since then we've had not just treading emerge, but we've had other horses from the same yard emerge. Magical. Uh, magical. Clemmy has turned her form inside out since then. Um, another for- horse who's emerged on the scene. I really like the performance of Sands of Mali in the Jim Crack Stakes for Richard Fahey. Um, he looks a fast horse, uh, but he also looks like a horse who could do quite well next season. Maybe a Commonwealth Cup horse, maybe. But um, the cool, cool Silk Partnership going to have a lot of fun with this horse. Yeah, and another one from the Conmernan Academy of uh, of different league fame. Yeah, he breezed this horse. Bought him for 20 grand, sold him again for 75 sterling. Nice work, sir. Um, by a sire that not loads of people will be familiar with in, in Panis. Stands for two grand in France. And um, yeah, bang, bang. Job done. This was a big step up for him after winning a, a novice race in Nottingham. Um, but he, he bolted up really, didn't he? Made all. I think Richard Fahey was making some bold noises after he won that race at Nottingham about the gym crack. He, know, he knows his onions. Yeah, he sure, certainly does. And one of these days, he's going to get the double Barney Curley style with Gabriel's Kaka and George Bowen. <laughs> And across the card double, Jesus. and we're all going to be in clover. When you see those two run on the same day, that's when you know when to strike. Um, Imagine. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> Don't do that. The cliff, everybody's fallen over the cliff. Forget about it. It's, it's oh, dear me. Although we still love George Bowen just because you bred him and he, he's, the he's man. given us such fun days. Um, we'll ask you a little bit later on about the, the progress of his siblings. But before that, Saxon Warrior burst on the scene. Son of Deep Impact, out of maybe. No pressure on you, son. This was very good, wasn't it? Really good. Very I wonder about the form in the sense that Christopher Robin has bombed. Um, but that being said, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Like, he'd run a decent race on debut. Um, for the Cantor Magner Tabor Smith Juiced Partnership. Hence why he's running in the different colours. Um, but let's deal with Saxon Warrior. Beautifully bred. Dunica riding. Dunica chasing the title if he can manage to wrestle it away from, from Smollin and um, and did it well. He did and look it's well established about with Ballydoyle newcomers these days they are ridden for education they you know to, to speak plainly I don't think they really want to win first time out with, with their Colts they'd rather them get a nice experience run well or run okay and then have a second run in the maiden win that and then go into stakes company just mm. because and that's that's not because they're trying to be clever it's just a function of the programme book in Ireland that we just a lot of people went nuts when they, when the British changed their programme book around to, to basically get rid of maiden races and make them all novice races. But it was a great move because it, it gives so many options now to horses that win maidens, but they're just, they're not stakes horses. They get a chance to run under a penalty against inexperienced horses and allow themselves to kind of make another step up the ladder. Um, and it's worked very, very well. We don't have that in Ireland. We have very few winners races um, and if you win a maiden, you pretty much uh, you won't be given a handicap mark generally, and you pretty much have to go into stakes company. And with that in mind, you know Aiden has been gone on record a number of times this season alone as saying it. You know it's tough for these horses to win a maiden first time and go straight into stakes company. You know it's better for them long term if they can run in the maiden, run nice, he'll send them there uh, with plenty to work on, and they'll do their best on the day. But he's he's almost hoping to get beat, and sometimes like this fella. They're so talented, they bolt up anyway. Mm. And that's what's happened here, because Donica has set out to ride him with, with, with a view to education, and the horse has taken off. He's picked up well. He, Donica's never had to raise his whip, and um, he's bolted away, quickly in charge. Um, he's got a big old action. 
and it was just very impressive. And like you say, you can question the the merit of those in behind if you wish, but sometimes it just style will do it. You know, he's won a, a mile maiden at the Curra by by as far as he wants, basically. Um, beautiful pedigree, like you say, deep impact. We we said a couple of times this season, God wouldn't cool more give their give their left you know what for for a really good son of deep impact. They're proverbial for their proverbial. Yeah. You know, I think they've they sent a group three mares, I think they sent the deep impact twice. Maybe peeping fawn and um another one from the family of Galileo, I think that I can't quite recall. Cherry Hinton, maybe? Possibly. Anyway, makes no odds. This looks to be the nicest of them that we've seen so far. Mm. Um obviously and look would he go to the Barrisford, maybe? That's what they're talking about. You know, he That's just he just suggesting. looks a lo- he just looks a lovely horse. You'd be slightly concerned that he might be a bit raw going to the next level for, yeah. for the reasons just discussed, but the talent is there now. He's, so he's a lovely horse. If he does take in the Burstford and and wins that, which you know that tends to be quite a good race. This is the fourth year in a row, by the way, that Aidan O'Brien's won this race. So mark that one in your diary for next year. Um, just back them all. That's not the first race. Back them all. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore what Ryan's riding and back whatever Dunnick is riding. That's the secret, lads. Um, could he end up on the at the races cameras in the Group One at the end of the race and post the trophy? Absolutely, yeah, the RP trophy. Absolutely, be a big ask for him now. I'd say he'll be taking on some fairly hardened horses in the Beresford now. Mm. And the big question was, would he be the first choice? Even is the racing post trophy as big a thing for Aidan O'Brien anymore? Nah, nah. Remember, it used to be. Yeah, well, it was just a soft group one, really, wasn't it? Yeah. He just seems to... You know, he changes his methods every now and again. Yeah. He seems to have changed his focus now. Yeah, you get a lot of those kind of back-end, slow maiden winners and you throw them in there and hope for the best, but the days of going yeah. there with his main derby horse... Yeah, that's my la- point. largely gone. Like, he, he was doing that. He would also target that 10 furlong juvenile group one in France. In France, yeah. Now, that's not really... A, well, he still wins it occasionally, but it's not really a thing. It's kind of a something you do with your... Yeah, like you want maybe with, your, your second tier of Derby horse. He won it with Fame and Glory, who obviously turned out to be quite a decent yeah, horse. It's quite a while ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's that's just the thing. He's just it's, it's so late in the season. He just seems to have changed his his methods and changed his attitude towards mm. those races. Um, yeah. yeah so, we'll see what he does next time. Now, I'd, I'm I'm telling myself don't get too excited because it's early doors. But I did really like him. I did too. I must say, um, Lightning Spear got in the winner's enclosure. He did only just. Just about from Zonderland, but good to see it now. He he deserves that. He, he deserved that. He's a consistent old horse, and uh, it it can sound patronising when you say it that way. But there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, big expectations on this horse from a betting perspective this season, which I think has been unfair on him because when he then bombed in the Queen Anne, people mm. turn on him like he's the good each way banker who can't be out of the first three, and then he, you know. Obviously managed to to completely bomb on the day. But he won this race last year and he's backed up again. And this is his level, really, isn't he? He's a group two horse. Yeah, that's it. Look, like we say many, many times on here, the, the stark reality of, of horse racing is we'll have a lot of very good horses, but very few very, very good horses. And yeah. he just fits into that category. You'd love to have him, but he just... He's the type of horse that group one level is just taxes him a little bit. Yeah. So he is representing Qatar Racing. Uh, there is a horse that they used to own and they did away with. Um, they discarded. He came into the ownership of Tony Bloom and he finally got the job done. 
Um, I'm very relieved because I don't mind after time by saying I put this one up on TalkSport too because it was like one of the only winners I put up on the week. <laughs> but Flaming Spear absolutely bolted up in the Clipper Logistics handicap. Um, he's looked like a horse who has a big handicap in him. And obviously we have the high profile incident as to why Kevin Ryan couldn't run his horses at Royal Ascot. He would have been very competitive there. He ran well, I thought, last time out and he's just cruised into this race. He looks a real exciting horse at um, this level. Oh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on. Do you think, because I was saying he could go listed group three. No, he'll go on. He'll step up, I think. Excellent. Um, he's He might be a horse that's kind of better suited by the nature of handicaps where they go nice and quick in front of him. Yeah. Uh, that they couldn't go quick enough for him, really, I think, especially over a mile. Mm. You know, if I was going up in class to them, I'd be back to seven in the hope that they go a right gallop. But look, he's always been riddled with talent. If you want to watch a video, I'm sure you could find it somewhere. Go back and watch his debut. Like, he looked like a star. He really did when he, when he made a winning debut back oh, three years ago now. But yeah. things just haven't gone right for him. He was considered, um, I think I told the story a few weeks ago, he was considered, you know, the, the Qatar... Tire Racing's best classic prospect as, as a three-year-old. It just didn't go right at all for him. You know, that much of last year even was a write-up was, was right for him. And it's just taken time. But Kevin Ryan's found the key to the engine. Yeah, the fact that Kevin Ryan has kept him as well, that, you know, he was sold, but Tony Bloom bought him and kept him at Kevin Ryan, that he knows him best and has yeah. been able to, to know him from his juvenile days and see that promise and then finally be able to get it out of him as a handicapper. It'd like. be very satisfying for Kevin, I'd say, because he, Must be. you can imagine he really had to go to bat to get this horse bought back to stay in the yard. You know, he cost 125,000 guineas back in October 2015 and at that stage, you know, his, his classic season had been a bit of a write-off. Mm. You know, he'd been well beaten three times and that's a lot of money to pay for a horse that's gone disappointed you three times. Yeah. I'd say he really had to go to bat now. To, to get an owner into him to, to keep him there and it's taken time and there was obviously a massive speed bump to overcome this season but he's coming right now yeah. and um, I would fully expect him now to compete at group level yeah. maybe it's seven maybe even at six do you reckon he could drop back that far? Uh, yeah in in like you know stakes companies just the, the, those races are just of a slightly different character well it can be a very different character to handicaps you know and I think him He's just riddled with pace and he needs a bit of help to settle and the faster they go, the better and he'll go faster at six than seven and he'll go faster at seven than a mile. So I could that's the direction I could see them going with him. Certainly down. Huge fan of that horse and uh, delighted to see him in the winner's enclosure. Rain Goddess to talk about an able form. She got a, a nice one in the Snow Ferry Stakes, Group 3 company. Yeah. Look, just about. Yeah, and it wasn't the, the best race you'd ever seen uh, uh, for that level but good for her to get back in the winner's enclosure. Um, has progressed a lot in a short space of time, um, but yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting excited about the bear form of that race now. As I was saying it on Talksport Two, you were tweeting it. Uh, the stewards are probably very relieved that Dartmouth managed to get beaten because <laughs> if he'd won, they'd have a big, big question on their hands uh, as to what to do in the stewards' inquiry whether they should throw him out or not. He's run all over the place. Oh, I should. He would have been thrown out. Well, he. If there was any sweet, sweet justice in the world, he would have been thrown out because ah, well, we look, we've talked about. We, well, I said that, and uh, Mark Webster's on the show with with um, Ray Stubbs and, and myself, and Mark goes, uh, so, so basically say, "Sorry, mom, sorry, mom, your horse has been thrown out." Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, look, like we, I don't even really like talking about it anymore because I feel like I did it to dead last year, but I just don't like the British interference interference rules no, one bit at all. We're getting example after example after example of riders that are 
quite deliberately committing riding offences, happy to take a couple of days to keep to get the to win the race. Get, yeah. Make sure they're first past the post and they know that bar they whip out a shotgun and let fly and they're not going to get thrown out. Mm. It takes so much for, for the stewards to intervene in England. It's not funny. And um, I keep saying it. It's going to, it's not going to end well. Some jockey is going to get put on the floor and mangled. Um, and it's going to be very sad if it takes that for the stewards and the well, British well, Racing the, Authority. The problem with the British Racing Authority and at times the Irish Racing Authority is that it takes something awful for them to actually finally step up and go, yeah, very, all right, we need to change it's that. It's very sad. It's very sad. And I re- obviously it goes without saying, I hope that that doesn't happen. But I fear it's it's an inevitability. I've been saying it for a few years and it hasn't yeah. happened, thankfully, but um, I, I feel it's an inevitability. They're just riding too gung-ho. They're trying to win at all costs. Um, and they're, they don't have a problem... Uh, Lapping in a bit of interference to, yeah. to to make sure they they get first past the post, and that is a dangerous dangerous situation. No, we're we're both in complete agreement there. Um, we did have one of the finishes of the entire week, though, in this with Montali somehow PJ McDonald getting him up because um, he was kind of riding him along from from quite a way out for Andrew Balding. Uh, Dartmouth had to give away the penalty. Saint Michel has run a fantastic race as well. That was one of the finishes of the week. Yeah, absolutely fantastic race. Um. Montali is a bit of a hooligan but he's very talented isn't he he's an absolute hooligan I wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to be playing ball with him now bite your nose off oh. <laughs> uh, but look talented talented oh god I, you always think like, oh god you know if, if I had a horse that good I would I put up with it every day you know being kicked and eaten and having to fight a battle with him every day but you know <laughs> I don't know, life's too short. <laughs> you can keep them. It's, it's, it's off to the sales with you, Montali. Oh, How would Lord. you have managed Limestone Lad seeing as he put in uh, Mr. Bow, he broke his shoulder and broke his leg? Oh, the patience that, they, that these that these I, I, horsemen have. I'm trying to get this in the right order because obviously it's a small yard so they let Limestone Lad just kind of wander around the yard as he, as he wanted. But the, there's a great story about him if you can find it online, look it up. It's a, br- it's a great interview. We should get him on the show, actually. Um, it was around the time where Limestone Lad was retiring, but Solarina was still going strong. And um, Limestone Lad, basically, Solarina was just a, a lovely, gentle horse who would do whatever you asked her to do. You know, you open the stable door and say, come on out, Solarina, we're going training. Out she'd go for you, no problem. You open the stable door for Limestone Lad, and he would stand there and look at you. <laughs> and you had to wait for him to start going... Banging on it, and at which point, all right, now he's ready to go. And uh, he had the temerity to turn on the wood chipper one day without asking him his permission. Oh, and he woke up in hospital with a broke <laughs> with a broken shoulder. Uh, he went and uh, was shoeing him one day, and he didn't ask permission to shoe one of his hind legs, broken leg. Yeah, oh, that's not much. Crack. So, and, and like we remember Limestone Lad as this absolute hero of a horse who who was a legend and he beat Istabrak when Istabrak was unbeatable and he was just this beloved racehorse. And it turns out that, yeah, they love him, but he was just an awful character it's to be around. a horrible, horrible human being. <laughs> As we'd say, if, riddled, he was, if he was a human being. Riddled with talent. But, and the only reason that Limestone Lad became the horse he became was they, they took him to the sales. He failed the, he failed the vet. So they brought him home and they were saying... We're going to make, like, they needed the money. They needed the money to fund their year. And they were saying, we're going to make something of this horse. We're going to either turn him into uh, a show jumper or he's going to be a racehorse. And they tried him in bumpers and he he bombed, completely bombed. Oh, he and, never won a bumper, didn't he? And a female rider took over one day 
And this is no disrespect to the female rider, nor nor was the trainer, uh, Mr. Bow, making any disrespectful comment to the female rider either. <laughs> well, but, I'm not being sexist, lads, but... <laughs> but, and, and like that Game of Thrones reference, as, as Ned Stark said, everything before the word but is bullshit. But <laughs> she couldn't control him. And the plan was to hold him up and he just went, vroom, off. That's how they found out he's and a front runner. That's how they found out he's a front runner. <laughs> it's funny with horses that... And I, I found this myself in dealing with yearlings. Sometimes the the ones that are that are difficult now that that are that are a bit of an issue, like hard work, is what sets them free, really, because they they get all that badness out of them when, when you're working them, mm. and that they channel it, and um, you just find they, they tend to settle down and get a bit more sensible. The harder you work them, the more sensible they become. Yeah, and uh, that was perhaps one of those cases. Even though it sounds like he didn't. Uh, he still had that badness in him when he was in, at his peak even. I love the fact we're doing a flat review and we're talking about limestone, lad. Ah, stop. Uh, we got to keep these Jumps fans happy to one extent or another in the middle of August, the, at the end of August. The National Hunt is in sight, lads. It's in sight, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost here. Uh, Nikita winning the Ebor for Callum Rodriguez and Ian Jardine. This was fantastic. Not a fabulous race, wasn't it? Yeah, super. Absolutely super. I love the way Ivan Grozny travelled through the race. I didn't love the way he dropped back through the field, though. Sure. Um but it was a, a cracking race, a really cracking race. Uh, Magic Circle made his move and looked as though he was going to be involved. And then all of a sudden, it's like, fly me to the stars is going to fly into the winner's enclosure, except for the fact that Callum Rodriguez comes there swinging along on Nikita. And they were really good, really impressive. And a great story as well for both of them. Yeah, big time. Look, that's what these big handicaps should be all about. Mm. Is the, the chance for, you know, the, the slightly smaller yards in terms of numbers to have a go at, at a massive prize and this is a massive prize yeah and, and fair play to them for pulling them off absolutely it was nice to see Clever Cookie run a, a decent race too because remember the time when Clever Cookie was being talked about as a potential King George winner he went off at I want to say 7-2 to two in the King George there was uh, loads of rain and everybody just latched on to him thinking he's the only one that'll handle the ground uh, was this in 2015? Uh, that sounds about right what price do you think he went off? 4-1 to one. Four to one is spot on. Oh, dearie me. Postponed ended up winning. Postponed was six to one that day. He made some improvement that year. I think that was his, uh, his, his, his announcement on the big stage. It really stage. was. Uh, also announcing on the big stage in the States at Saratoga, live on At The Races, Saddler's Joy. Uh, tip of the hat to Ron Wood, who I think he had three, if not four winners on the card. Um, and he was taking on some big favourites as well, including Idaho in this race, who was an odds-on favourite over here, but over there was 29 to 20. Uh, on on the Paris Mutual, um, Saddler's Joy came flying down the outside for Tom Albertrini and Julian Leperu and uh, looks a very, very exciting horse. And I'm sure he will be one of the leading contenders for the Breeders' Cup turf. But of course, we'll come over there with better horses. And one, we'll, but one but hope. And we'll win it again because we're just that good. Uh, that's our review of the racing. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to highlight? No, I reckon we're pretty good. I reckon we're pretty good. All right. Um, we've got the prospect of Caravaggio dropping back to five furlongs. Oh, I've said this. I, I don't like this. If if But look, Aidan O'Brien has made an absolute fool of me on many occasions by pulling off stuff like this. Made it a fool th- of all of us. It doesn't make a jot of sense to me, but um, he'll be vindicated in, in his, in his in, you know, the big talk about how fast this horse is, if he can go and do it. Um, I would be sceptical myself. But uh, good luck to him. It'll, it'll be very interesting. Yeah. Sure, look. Isn't that what, what, isn't that what we all want? Something interesting to talk about. Absolutely. We're going to talk about that in more detail in next week's show because the Irish Champion Stakes is in sight. 
and Kevin Blake and Tony Keenan will take you through uh, the card we're looking forward to that that's going to be a great meeting oh I can't wait cannot wait you were saying the Curra looks like a better meeting than Leopardstown well it all depends what turns up in the champion stakes but the Curra is going to be the Curra has been kind of playing second fiddle to Leopardstown for a few years now mm. for the first few years of this meeting this year now could fight back a little bit mm. if expert excuse me if expert eye comes over Caravaggio um, Order of St. George possibly rematching with Big Orange it, uh, it could be a very good card yeah looking forward to that looking forward to being there as well okay we had the conclusion to one of the most controversial stories in recent times in Ireland the Davy Russell case finally dealt with by the Turf Club on Saturday morning on the morning where it's one of the biggest race days of the year then again if they dealt with it on Wednesday, Thursday or Friday there were also three major races going on and so you could also say well they're trying to bury the lead there why this couldn't all have been dealt with on the Monday or the Tuesday I really don't know but anyway they finally got to it Uh, they found Davy Russell had breached rule 272 and he was given an official caution Davy caught up with Gary O'Brien on At The Races Davy if you don't mind just give us your reaction to the panel the referral panel's decision this morning yeah look obviously it's a relief now that it's over and done with and uh, myself and my family can move on um um, it was it was an unfortunate incident that got maybe got uh, misinterpreted um, by the general public, um, and that's the way the um, stewards felt today. That's what happened also. So um, they were happy with the inquiry, and um, you know it's, it's it's great now that we move onwards and upwards now from now on. Yeah. At the same time, from your own point of view, did you accept some responsibility for what happened? Yeah. Look, obviously, it it it, it doesn't. It looks it looks visually it doesn't look good, but. Um, there was a number of different things that were going through my head at the time what I could have done to um, maybe uh, bring the filly back under control as we'll say because at that stage she was out of control and I felt that if I had to continue in that vein that during the race I would have had a very difficult time trying to control her in the race so I felt I needed to do something just to let her know that there was someone on her back and, um, and just to Hit her a slap in the in the the soft of the neck. Um, I felt was the appropriate action. I, I had the option of hitting her a, a thump with the stick and or hit her a choke in the mouth. But to me, them incidents would have been too severe for for what I, I wanted to achieve. And I felt that just a, a slap in the neck is what she wanted, uh, just to get her to pay attention. Um, Obviously, we're in a difficult position because there's a line there that you don't need to cross, and I, I, I felt I, I hadn't crossed it. Um, I, I felt that I needed to, um, to take some bit of action to get her back and pay attention to what she was doing. Otherwise, if we don't do that, um, the, the whole thing just runs right, and we'll have horses everywhere. Davy Russell talking to our colleague Gary O'Brien on at the races, who didn't have the easiest of days. He had to talk to. Turf Club Chief Executive Dennis Egan as well and you might say well that's his job but given the sensitivity of all of this the fact that he was then pitched in and having to do all that he handled it with aplomb as he always does um, we have a conclusion we have a verdict and we have a, a caution dished out you've written about this for AtTheRaces.com what's your interpretation of everything? Um, one thing I'd say just quickly just after we heard that Davey interview when he says I, I gave her a slap a lot of people are saying, well, obviously you didn't give her a slap, you punched her. That's that's an Irish thing. I would say, Emmett, I'm going to hit you a slap in the jaw. I mean, I'm going to punch you in the yeah. jaw. But we, that's something that, that Irish people say. 
Um, so I don't think he's meaning to say I gave him a, I gave the horse an open, open-handed slap. He admitted that he gave the horse a punch. That's what he's talking about. Well, what can I say? I was surprised at the conclusion. Um, I was expecting a ban. Uh, three to seven days would have been about right for me now. When you have the, the Shane Foley case only six weeks ago where he gave his horse um, two cracks down the flanks um, with his stick and he, behind the stalls and he got seven days, reduced to five on appeal. Um, so I was surprised that was just a caution. Um, it's just, a, I mean, I'm, you know, I've tried to flesh it out now in my in my bid for ATR why they might have made that decision. Um, I'm not hugely upset about it, but I can, I can see why some people, many people would be. Certainly those that were very um, offended and, and and disgusted by the original incident. I, w- I was far from one of those, but um, I can see the case. You know, the, those people would say, well, to give him just a caution and not punish him, um, you know, what's the way to phrase it? You know, it, it's an affront to the cause of horse welfare and it seeks, it, 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 it almost tells the wider public that, well, this sort of thing is acceptable. Um, he's been found guilty of the in, in breach of the rule and they've only given him a caution. So it does seem to make light of it. Um, and people will have their opinions. Um, I have mine. I like I say. I think he should have got three to seven days, but I'm not terribly upset about it. People, people will think he should have got much more. There's, uh, there's a reason be upset about it, but for me, let's just kick on that. The reason why this is so emotive, though, is because of the love that we have for the equine stars of this game, and you don't want to see that kind of thing happen. And Davey, I think you know he's mentioned the fact that now m- me and my family can move on, and. When you see the vitriol, like you showed me some of the tweets last week of people saying, you know, wait till I get hold of you. Or like, I'll, and, I'll and they're still you. coming and in. I'm, I'm still getting those comments under the piece I wrote last week. I'm looking at two of them right here that came in this evening. They're, okay. they're, they're still coming. And, and I say it again, like, what does that achieve? Like you're trying to meet violence with violence. That doesn't... That, of course, it's silly. It do, that does not... It's counterproductive. It doesn't do anybody any favours. But he's done something which he clearly regrets. and. He's been dragged through the public media uh, and and dragged through social media. But you kind of forget the aspect of the fact that this isn't a jockey, this is a man, and he has a family, and they've all had to put up with this. Davey tweeted about the Rose of Tralee the other night, and immediately people started asking him about the incident. And I suspect that's going to follow him for quite some time. And eventually, you mentioned Kieran Gethings last week. I had to think... For a couple of seconds, Kieran Gethings, what are you talking about? I'd forgotten completely about that. Eventually, we will all move on from this. I and suspect if, we'll move on quicker than you think. Yeah, we probably will. And if if Davy has, I, I I'm very very confident Davy Russell will never ever do anything like this ever again. And I would like to think that any jockey who has seen what Davy has just gone through would also go. Oh, I'm never going to do that. Yeah, well, I think you know you can talk about. And look, for me, the, the the real issue here with this verdict is is the lack of consistency. Really, when you look at the Foley thing, that's but, the problem I have with the with the governing body. Yeah, I, I would I would echo that, but I could also see the case that Russell's probably got punishment enough. Yeah, <laughs> with, with, with what he's had to go through with all the with all the attention that's been that's been shown on this, and like the thing is, nobody's nobody notices live. Really, I think mm. like a handful of people might might have noticed it, but 
This it is was some, our colleague, this is a social a, media driven thing, really. You it know? was our friend and colleague Johnny Ward was the one who broke the story in terms of the media, wasn't it? No, the, um, a, a guy on Twitter posted the video. Yeah, but uh, in I, terms of writing about it for the media, it was Johnny who did it first. Yeah, I, th- I, think. I think he might have rang Davy that evening and asked for a comment, and Davy mm. didn't want to talk about it. But um, oh, look, it's just what, look. It's been, for me, it's been totally overblown. I gave my comments on it last week. He did wrong, absolutely. It's unacceptable, but. Um, and I'm not making light of horse welfare, lads, but it, it isn't that big of a deal. He was 100% right to correct the horse. He just chose the wrong method of correction. Very much if so, the given, wrong method If he'd given it a choking them out, even if he'd given it an open-handed slap lower down the neck, personally, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If he give, got his whip and give, given it two hard, uh, two hard um, tips down the shoulder, mm. I'm okay with that. And everyone else would have been okay with that. But we have, humans have a thing with punching. You know, the, the connotation of it being a very aggressive and malicious action. And for that reason, a lot of people have got very worked up about it. Um, but essentially, the effect of the punch is is, is, is largely the same as an open-handed slap. Um, certainly, it's just uh, how it looks, Kevin. It, oh, it, it looks just, terrible. It Don't looks get, I, I'm, I'm not seeking to defend it. I'm just saying, lads, perspective. Mm. It really isn't as big a deal as, as it's being made out in my mind. Um, he should have been punished more so than he was, but they've made their decision now. You mightn't agree with it, but we, we just got to kick on, don't we? We have bigger things to worry about in the game than this. Well, we need to move on because there's nothing else that can be done about it now and they've made their decision and that's that. Um, Davey Russell, as I've said, I've met Davey. I've hosted a Cheltenham preview night with Davey. I've had a lot of fun with him uh, that night. I've interviewed him before. I found him to be nothing but an absolute gentleman. What we saw last week was just so out of character and so... I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing that you're seeing an experienced horseman doing that yeah, I see again I, I don't think it's it's worthy of that that much shock myself but the, the important thing is whatever your opinions of the turf club they've made their decision they've come to their conclusion they've given them the caution that's it hey, look you can disagree with it if you like but you know everyone's entitled to their opinion but it is done now If it, on an official level it's, but, it's, it's wrapped up but I think you'd agree with me that 100% Davy Russell would never do anything like that ever again oh I don't think he will no, yeah. no. And, and I imagine that other jockeys who are watching that uh, would never engage in such action either um, speaking of scraps so I stayed up all night I did the stupid thing I should have gone for a nap beforehand stayed no, up I, all I, night I pushed through as well uh, apparently one of the lads in your place fell asleep yeah Coatsy who does listen to the podcast even though he's no interest in racing Coatsy how let, did you fall asleep down. for the first round <laughs> oh. we were we were doing much worse than Davy Russell did that to King Scotty we're hitting them slaps we're kicking them they wake up, you clown. You've stayed up all night and you've fallen asleep 10 oh, minutes before it's shameful stuff. I think it was 8am by the time I was in bed. Uh, let's hear from the two-time double champ from the UFC. I'd have liked the ref to... You know what I mean? There's a lot on the line here. He should have let, he should have let me keep going, I thought. But fair play, I'm, I'm not going to... You're doing it to protect you, probably. Uh, you didn't want the protection? I mean, I was, I was just a little f- fatigued. He was a lot more composed under the shots. He was a lot more experienced, especially in the later part of it but early on I felt like it was handy handy enough to be honest but he's composed in there they've got to give it to him that's what that's what 50 pro fights will give you so fair play to him Connor I, I don't I may be wrong in this assessment and tell me but you seem happy I know you're not happy to lose but are you are you pleased with how you perform I don't know I've been here before I've been strangled on live TV and came back so I don't know I would have liked it to just let it go okay it was some it was some buzz to get in here in the squared circle, everything was different. There was a lot more fun. I thought it was close. 
I thought we were close. Don't get me wrong. I get a little wobbly when I'm fatigued, similar to the Diaz two fight. Did you get tired? That's exactly what it is. It's fatigue. That's why I thought the ref could have just let it keep going. A little, let me go down. Let the man put me down. Like wobbly and fatigue. That's energy. That's not damage. I'm clear-headed. Will you box again? Would you like to box again? Let's see what happens. I don't know. We'll have two titles. That have, I don't know. I'm having a buzz flowing around. Anyone wants to not give me a shell? What a quote. The double champ does what he wants Insert colourful language um, He wasn't embarrassed Which a lot of the boxing world thought he would be It wasn't a complete and utter blank out Which a lot of the boxing world thought it would be uh, He's taken the first two rounds Although controversially on the scorecard he didn't uh, And he didn't get knocked out So he can walk away from this with A. A huge check And B. A bit of respect Well if you told me beforehand We discussed it last week That if he, if McGregor was going to go out And straight up stand up box with Mayweather I would have expected it to be an embarrassment um, But it wasn't It wasn't And of course Mayweather Did clearly have the tactic to, to Conserve And let McGregor at it essentially For a couple of rounds but still at that, I was impressed with how McGregor's skills um, held up. You know, he, he was able to hit Floyd, um, not with any great power, though he landed a beautiful uppercut in the first, but he was, able to, he was able to touch Floyd, which I didn't necessarily think he would be, and he was able to make Floyd miss. You know, his footwork looked good, um, his stamina clearly did not look good, um, but that's just, I think that's experience, and that's just, the, for me... But my my takeaway from the fight, and one thing I would say is Mayweather did not look, um, he looked diminished to me. He did not look like the Mayweather we saw two really, years ago. He, he's he's not the man he was, and I, which is understandable. He's forty. He's forty. He's, he's with, not what he was. With the glorious benefit of hindsight, we were trying to we we're speculating why Mayweather was quite the price he was in the build up to the fight. You know, I just wonder maybe those diminished skills were showing up a little bit in sparring, and those around him were a little bit concerned, and that leaks out. And well, I think Steve Bunce said on BBC Radio Five Live that he actually hadn't sparred for two weeks. That he hadn't he actually he actually hadn't punched for two weeks. That his hands really are like glass, and he needed to protect them. Yeah. The, 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 apparently, Siri wants to engage in the conversation here as well. Jesus. We have Siri back as a guest on the show. <laughs> but yeah, look, he he didn't look as good as he was, but he's still clearly you know such a at such a high level in the boxing game. But McGregor, I thought, acquitted himself well. He. He can very much hold his head up high. Um, for me, what what this and th- what made this a worthwhile sporting event, the people will continue to call it a circus and, and a joke and everything else. The I money think, fight. I think it was a very worthwhile sporting event because as long I've been, I followed MMA for over fifteen years, and in that time, you've had to listen to, you know, when you start talking to boxing guys, them, you know, telling you that that boxers are just that much high level of a striker. Uh, have have such a a greater level of striking than mixed martial artists mm. that it wouldn't be a contest. But I think this fight shows that a high level MMA striker can hang with a very high level boxer, the highest level of boxer, certainly for a few rounds. But what I for so my first conclusion is that the gulf in striking ability isn't as wide as Banny would assume. But the other takeaway for me was that there is a gulf in conditioning and and energy efficiency between the two. Yeah. Because, you know, clearly McGregor was in big trouble fitness-wise late on, whereas Mayweather was in cruise control. And it's just a thing of energy distribution, I think, in terms of how they train, how they fight. Um, and that's ultimately what cost McGregor. He would have lost regardless. But Oh, was, Mayweather's a straight-up genius. It was clearly fatigue that, that ultimately resulted in the fight ending when it did. But I think he can come out with his head held high, hopefully go back to MMA. 
and um, well, many good fights to look forward to with, with McGregor with the exception of Jose Aldo he got a lot of respect from his MMA colleagues as well but I suppose they kind of have to to a certain extent but they don't all have to come out in support of him I and mean, a lot of them did the amateur world boxing championships are on now there is no major media talking about it in fact I think the only one who is talking about it is the press officer for the Amateur World Boxing Championships. And the Canelo fight is on next month. The only reason I know it's on next month, Kevin, is because you said it on this podcast. Um, it's going to be a fabulous boxing match. It now. may very well be, but it's not going to come anywhere close to the takings. No, it doesn't. The Box- McGregor Mayweather got. Boxing is not in the world's best place now in terms of mainstream popularity. You you tend to go and get a handful of events that really break through like this. Mm. And, you know, even the undercard for me showed that that undercard was it was largely a snooze fest. You I know, didn't even bother watching it. And again, look, I'm I'm a fan of both sports, but for me, MMA just do a such better job of putting on a show, putting on a deep card that will entertain you from an early stage of it, and not just concentrate on the main event. Um, so I, I think both games have a bit to learn from each other, but I think that this this crack of you know be competition between the two they they can both exist, they can both drive very quickly. Uh, there was a lot of rumors on Twitter on Sunday morning. You're five and zero. Oh. Um, McGregor's gone up against one of the best in the world of all time and he's been respectable uh, he was asked about the idea of facing you uh, in the ring uh, apparently it would be a seven round match instead uh, and this is what he had to say I'm having a buzz flounder now and anyone wants to not give me a shell you going to fight him? you going to take him in the offer? Show me the money I, <laughs> I, I would happily take a clipping for a few million quid you don't even have to give me a hundred you will do I want 40% of that. <laughs> See, I say 40, I'll work down to 20 and I'll take it. I've taken enough clippings for free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Blake will be at a race course near you, Davey Russell, if you want to have a word with him. Uh, right, that's, um, that's it. Uh, briefly on Game of Thrones, there's been a bit of criticism of season seven. What a load of absolute nonsense. There's uh, been fantastic dialogue. There's been br- those monologues that only Game of Thrones can do has been there. And the pacing of the action this season has just been sensational we had a feature length episode for the season finale last night and I was gripped the whole way through it was absolutely brilliant it really was I just, no just spoilers was, but it was brilliant such a pity we have to wait so long for the last season possibly summer 2018 but it's looking like it could be 2019 before we so get long. the season the final season which will be it looks as though this is the good thing it'll be feature length episodes and it will be it's going to be six episodes but it'll be six feature length episodes <sighs> So long to wait. That'd be amazing, though, if we get feature-length episodes. I can't wait. Uh, A lot of people have been tweeting us saying they've started listening to the Joe Rogan experience. You're welcome, Joe, because he needed our help. (laughs) The world's number one podcast. You are are not before us, Joe. (laughs) The world's number one podcast. Finally, has people listening to it. Joe Rogan experience is brilliant. Um, If you haven't listened to it. And if you um, think the Final Furlong podcast is long, wait till you start listening to Joe. Five-hour shows. (laughs) Five-hour podcasts from time to time. Uh, You can set Apple to play us and then play the Joe Rogan experience. So, yeah, try that. Uh, and there's been a lot of people tweeting saying they've finally started Game of Thrones, which I'm delighted to see. Stick with it. It's a slow burner, but it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. Cannot Cheers. wait. I'm going to rewatch the whole thing because that's how I roll. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emmett Kennedy. We're back next week to preview a sensational week's racing, weekend's racing even, which will be all live on At The Races, Sky Channel 415, the Irish Champion Stakes, Irish Champions Weekend, the Irish St. Ledger at the Curra on the Sunday, Champion Stakes on the Saturday at Leopardstown. Hopefully we'll see you there as well. We'll chat to you next week on AtTheRaces.com and Apple Podcasts and the various other Apple and podcast platforms as well. I'm Kevin Blake. Good luck. From Emmett Kennedy. Producer D somewhere in the background. Talk to you again soon. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, the races app yet? 
with easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.